Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, But we are picking up uh, week one of making room for God's presence in Luke chapter 2. Uh, verse 1 through 7. We're reading out a new King James Version this morning. Um, So if everybody has turned uh, with me, let's read together. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first take place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, and who was also with child. So it was that while they were there, days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, who we know to be Jesus, and wrapped him up in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room. Everybody say room. There was no room for them in the end. There was no room for them in the end. The title for this morning's message, turn to your neighbor and say, making room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus. With that being said, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Let's pray over this morning. Father, we thank you for the first service we had. We thank you that it was uh, powerful. We thank you, Father, that it was a moment in time that we were able to experience your presence. But, Father, we believe for more during this second service, God. We believe for miracles, signs, and wonders to take place. We believe for spirit baptisms to take place, God. We thank you, Father, that we're going to see your will uh, come forth in this place and that we are going to experience more of your peace, more of your power. Father, we're going to see healing take place. God, I thank you for every mind being open, every heart being soft and ready to receive a word from God, that we are just here ready to grow more with you, God, ready to receive from you, Father. So let this seed be sown and let this seed bear fruit, Father. God, we are here for you, God. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to trust you, Jesus, and to gather with you and to celebrate your name. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says... Amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus one more hand clap of praise this morning. I was uh, reading an article um, about this nurse who spent her time or specialized in the treatment of elderly people who uh, spent, I think it was thousands and thousands of hours uh, bedside of people who were in the last days of their life. And this nurse was interviewed, and one of the questions was, what is the most um, common regret of people who are on uh, their deathbed or in the last days of their life? And, and the most common regret wasn't, uh, you know, people wishing that they would have spent more time on their job. There wasn't somebody said, I wish I could have gone to work one more time. Uh, It wasn't uh, people wishing that they would have bought more things or bought more shoes. It wasn't people wishing, oh, I wish I had a bigger home. The number one common regret of people on their deathbed was, I wish I would have spent more time with the people I loved. I wish I would have spent more time with the people who matter the most. I wish I would have used my time more intentionally on things that actually matter. I believe that that's one of the most common lies and misconceptions that the enemy tries to convince us of is for us to focus on all the wrong things. 
for us to focus on things that might have worldly value but no eternal value. To, fo to focus on materialistic things, to focus on getting uh, that new vehicle, to focus on getting the best shoes, or focus on getting the most followers on Instagram, whatever it may be, to get us to focus on all the wrong things and get so caught up in the busyness of life, to get so caught up with all the things that we think hold value, but in reality it doesn't, and to get so focused on that that we think we have no time for Jesus. To think that we don't have time to spend in prayer, that we don't have the extra five minutes because we're so caught up with our schedule and the busyness of life. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person on my deathbed regretting about how I spent my time. See, what the enemy wants us to be is kind of resembles of what a balloon looks like. And when you look at a balloon, right, it looks, it looks puffed up. It looks like it's filled, but in reality, it's empty. So the enemy wants us to be so filled up with things that we think we have no more room for Jesus, to be so filled up with uh, the busyness of life, the stress of life, caught up in the going up the corporate ladder or, or so caught up in trying to please everybody around us that we feel filled up, but in reality, we're empty. But there's only really there's only one way to to check what you're filled up with. And that's when pressure comes. The only way to know if you're filled up with the right things is to know when pressure comes, when pressure comes. Oh, when pressure comes. There you go. What you thought was filled up was actually empty. What you thought you filled up your time with was actually empty. What you thought that we were so caught up with, you get to the end of your life and you realize, wow, how did I waste all that time? I was so convinced that I was doing the right things. I was so convinced that I had my priorities straight. I was so convinced. But looking back, I realized I wasted a lot of time. And before then, it's already too late. But see, when you fill up your life with the right things, when you fill up your life with spending time with Jesus, when you fill up your life with saying, I'm going to put what should go first, and that's God in my life. I'm going to prioritize his presence. I'm going to prioritize spending time with him. I'm going to prioritize being with him. Who knows how powerful it is when you spend time with Jesus in this place. When you spend time with Jesus, that is you prioritizing your time with him. Because you see, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter how, how old you are or young you are. You still got 24 hours. It doesn't matter how broke you are or how rich you are you still got 24 hours it doesn't matter how healthy or not healthy you are you still got 24 hours you see us dictating how much God means to us isn't based on any worldly value it's not based on anything because we all have different measures but we all have the same measure of time and how we tell God how much he means to us is how are we using our time are we making room for Jesus are we really and truly saying God I'm putting you first in our schedule because if we do that how we can tell is when pressure comes. How we tell is when the economy starts going crazy. How we tell is when people are in a panic and we feel a squeeze from life. And when we feel that squeeze, are we going to be filled up with the right things or the wrong things? Because people will fail us. Money will fail us. Politics will fail us. But who knows Jesus will never fail? Who knows that Jesus will always be there for us? That Jesus will always be on the right hand of the Father? And so we got to be filled up with Jesus. Because if we're not, when it counts the most, we're going to realize we're empty. You see, Bethlehem was welcoming in the Savior of the world, Mary and Joseph, carrying the Savior of, of us, the, the one who would remove sin from the world, the one who would, who would wash away our sins, the one who would make us able to even come into a place like this, because who knows, we don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here, but because of what Jesus did for us, now we have the right to be here. That by his stripes, not only are we healed, but by his blood, now we are made righteous in the eyes of the Father. 
that we can come boldly into the place like this and experience his presence. But it, they were coming into Bethlehem and they were so filled up with, I believe, it's such a powerful moment and, and Jesus is coming in, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who will be the Savior of the world, yet they had no room for them. Yet something so powerful, something so valuable, something that was the most highest of the highs, right? The most high was coming into their town, and yet they were neglected. And yet they didn't have any room for them. And yet what was so powerful didn't seem like a priority to Bethlehem. And you can think to yourself, how can something so valuable be treated with such neglect? But it seems like we do that all the time with Jesus. Jesus is so powerful. Spending time in his presence will offer you fruits and peace and forgiveness and confidence that nobody else can. It's something so powerful, yet we sigh to ourselves when we think about going to church again. We, we sigh to ourselves when we think about, oh, I got to spend another five minutes in prayer. We sigh to ourselves when we, when we think about having to go into worship again, not realizing the type of value, not realizing the life-altering, life-changing, really revelation that is the name of Jesus. But see, when we realize that, that is when we know the type of value it has. And that's, we have to treat God's presence with that type of value. We have to treat God's presence knowing that it is not just something that we have to do. It's something, right, that we get to do, that we have the honor of partaking in is the presence of God. Because I don't know if you realize this, but when you were born into this world, you had no right to be in God's presence. We're all born into sin. Nobody was born perfect. Nobody was born righteous. Nobody was born good enough. You just being in this house is not only a privilege, but it's an honor. You being in the presence of God is not only something that is so powerful, but it's something that we don't deserve. But because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, now we are able to step into the presence of God and not have to think about our sins, not have to think about how we don't deserve to be here. But all we get to do is be able to receive from the creator of heaven. Who knows that's a gift and that's a value that we should never take for granted. That we have to treat as something with the value that it deserves. We have to treat God's presence. We have to treat our time with Jesus like it's the most prized possession you could ever have. Like it's more important to you than any kind of thing that the world has to offer. And that's point number one for this morning is that we have to treat God's presence like our most prized possession. Treat God's presence like it's the gift it truly is. Treat God's presence like it's something, like it's the treasure, like it's the value that it actually is. We have to treat it that way. We have to protect it. We have to make sure that it's, it's so high on our priority list. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what our day looks like. We're saying, no, I'm still going to spend time in prayer this morning. Or I'm still going to spend time in worship today. Or no, I'm still going to read my Bible today. Why? Because I know what type of value is in that time. I know what type of value is in the time of worship. I know what the, the type of transformation is in the type of prayer. Does anybody can testify and anybody have a testimony saying, I, when I went into prayer, things changed on the inside of me. When I went into prayer, my life began to alter. When I went into prayer, what seemed like doom and gloom, now I realize when I went into prayer that God is in control of it all and it doesn't matter what I'm going through. My time of prayer and presence with him can change everything. We have to treat it as valuable. Because what you treat with value won't be easily broken. If you don't prioritize the presence of God, it, it will just take a hiccup in your day for you to get out of whack. 
it'll just take the first inconvenience in your day. If you don't truly value God's presence, if you wake up in the morning on a Sunday and you don't feel like going to church, you're not going to go to church. Because if you don't value it, you're going to be like, oh, well, I just don't have the energy today. Right? Like, if you don't value prayer time, the first time you try to go into prayer and the first notification you get on your phone, you'll be like, oh, well, I guess I got to respond, you know? Isn't that funny? Like, as soon as we go into a time of prayer, like, people start blowing up our phones. I've learned now, anytime I go into prayer, I'm studying, whatever I'm doing, I put that, that do not disturb on right away. Because I value that time with Jesus. Because I know that there is nothing, there is nothing except for Haley's phone number. Because <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. But there is nothing that can, should deserve more attention than my time with God. And I put that on do not disturb. Why? Because it's valuable to me. And that's how we have to treat God's presence as valuable. Because if you treat it with that much value, it won't be easily broken. I know we all have phones in this place. Who knows? We have an iPhone, or iPhone cover, protection screen. We have insurance on that phone. Why? It's valuable to us. We need to treat God's presence just as valuable. Say, no, I'm going to protect this time. I'm going to protect this time when I go to church. I'm going to protect this time when I'm praying. I'm going to protect this time when I'm worshiping. Why? Because I know what type of value it has. See, Bethlehem didn't know the type of value that walked in their door. Bethlehem didn't know the type of power that walked in their door. I believe that they truly knew and realized what was in their town. Who knows? They would have opened every door. They would have opened every room. But they didn't know the value. They didn't know the type of value that was walking in the room. But yet, they, they missed out on it. See, we have to protect. We have to know the value of being in God's presence. Today is the day of Pentecost, and that's what happened over 2,000 years ago in the upper room in Jerusalem is that 120 disciples value, valued the presence of God. Right? 500 people started off, but only 120 remained. Why? Because they valued the presence of God. After 10 days of waiting, what kept them in that room? It wasn't their uh, type of perseverance. It wasn't them saying, I'm the best and good enough. No, what kept them there is that they knew the value of that moment. They knew the value of the promise of the Father. They said, there is nothing that's going to convince me to step outside this room until I receive the promise that God told me I would receive. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And since like a rushing mighty wind, the Holy Spirit came in and sat upon each person like tongues of fire. They began to speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And it says people from all over the world were in that uh, city of Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. All in all different languages, all different nationalities was in Jerusalem. But for some reason, by the power of God, they all understood what they were saying. All unknown languages, but they knew. That's what brought them to the upper room. That's how 3,000 people were saved is because the Holy Spirit is meant for everybody. The Holy Spirit is meant for every nationality. It doesn't matter how old. It doesn't matter how young. It doesn't matter what race you are. The Holy Spirit is for everybody who believes in the name of Jesus. Because on that day, 3,000 people were saved. And the Holy Spirit wasn't just meant for that day. The Holy Spirit wasn't just meant for, for the early church. The Holy Spirit is meant for us. It works in today's church. We've seen miracles, we've seen signs, and we've seen wonders. If you ever want to, if you ever question it, just ask us, and we'll explain it, and we'll show you. And we got proof and the receipts of people walking in here limping and walking out free, people walking in here broken and walking out free, all by the power of the Holy Spirit, because we serve a God the same yesterday, today, and forever, and nothing's going to change that. Not the matter of our day, not the panic, nothing can change who God is. So what started as the outpouring of the Spirit, how it started was the outpouring on the Spirit on Mary, conceived with Jesus. 
And they're coming into Bethlehem. And usually, when a king like Jesus was, when they come into a city, usually that demands a royal welcome. Usually that demands people throwing a festival and a big party because the king is coming in, into town because that was what Jesus is. That is who Jesus is. is he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He demands every ounce of glory and praise that we have to offer. And so usually when a king comes into town, you're supposed to give him that honor. But they come into town, and really a king should demand the best place in town, the best house in town. Really a, a king should demand uh, the best bed, the most comfortable bed in town. They, really a king should demand the best of the best. But when Mary and Joseph came into Beth Bethlehem, because they made no room for him, because they didn't have no space for him, because they didn't realize the, what was really walking into their town, they didn't give him no room. And because of that, Jesus was born in a stable. Because of that, Jesus spent his first night in a manger. What should have been demanded of royalty, what should be demanded of the best of the best and staying in the best rooms and sleeping in the best beds, because they didn't make room for Jesus and didn't realize who he was, he slept in a manger. But here's the thing, even though Bethlehem didn't make room for Jesus, Jesus still found the room. Even though Bethlehem didn't give him the praise that he, that, that moment deserves, who knows Jesus still got the praise when the angel said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Even though Jesus didn't get all the people coming to him and celebrating the day he was born, not the people who we think we should, right, the high officials in Bethlehem could have been there, the 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 governor of Bethlehem could have been there the leaders of the city could have been there but because they didn't realize who it was and they didn't make space and room for him it was the lowly shepherds who celebrated Jesus when he was born but see even though Bethlehem didn't make room Jesus still found room even though Bethlehem didn't acknowledge and didn't make the space in their town and said I'm too busy I'm too filled up it was during the time of census when everybody was coming to town and so they said they had no room but even though they they didn't have room for Jesus Jesus still found room somewhere else point two for this morning is this if we don't make room God will find room somewhere else if we don't make room God will find room some, somewhere else if we don't make the time and space for Jesus to operate, Jesus will find a time and space somewhere else. If you don't make time and space for Jesus to come into your life and to work through you, you're not stopping Jesus' will from taking place. You're just stopping Jesus' will from taking place through you. Because Jesus will find somewhere else. Jesus will find somebody else who is obedient. Jesus will find the person who is willing to make space and make room for, for Jesus' presence in their life. Don't be confused. Don't think that just because your schedule is so packed and you don't have time for Jesus, don't think you're stopping Jesus from doing anything. Jesus is a stop from doing things through you. He's still working. He's still on the move. He's still working through people who's making room for him. But don't think that just because your schedule is so packed that you're somehow stopping Jesus. There's no way that we can stop Jesus. The only thing we can do is, is stop Jesus from using us. But Jesus is always on the move. Jesus is always going to place to place. Right now, all over the world, Jesus' presence is in, a, is in churches just like this, touching individuals, millions of individuals all over the world because they're making space for Jesus. So the question isn't whether or not if Jesus is on the move. The question is, is are we going to be a part of that movement? The question isn't whether or not uh, is Jesus going to get the worship. The question is whether or not we're going to be the one worshiping him. 
See, Jesus is going to get the glory he deserves, but are we going to be the one giving him the glory? Scripture says it like this, and how Josh opened up during praise is that in Scripture, Jesus said, if you don't give me praise, the rocks will cry out. See, it's not a matter of if, if God's going to get praise. It's a matter of if you are going to be the ones seen in his praises. That's the question that we have to answer. Are we going to be the ones that God's going to use? Are we going to be the ones that are going to say, I'm making room for you? Are we going to be the ones that says, I put my life down, God. I want your will to take place. Are we going to be the ones to do it? That's the question that we have to answer. Because God's going to be on the move whether you like it or not. God's going to be working on the lives of individuals whether you like it or not. But the question is, are we going to be the ones that God is going to use. See, Bethlehem missed out on that moment. Bethlehem missed out on what should have been a, a moment of history that we still celebrate today, a moment in history that really we revolve our calendars around this moment of history of the birth of our Christ, of the birth of our Savior. But Bethlehem, who could have witnessed it, missed it because they didn't make room for him. Bethlehem, who could have been a part of something so great, missed it because they didn't make room for Jesus. I don't want to be somebody at the end of my life looking back on what I missed out on. Looking back in the history books, looking back at what Jesus is doing, I say, man, I wish I would have made more time for Jesus. Because by that time, it would be too late. I want to look back on my life and say, God, I'm so thankful that I made time for you. I'm so thankful I prioritized you. Come on, somebody. I'm so thankful that I made time for your presence. That it didn't matter to me what trouble I was going through. It didn't matter to me what people were saying. It didn't matter to me the opinions of, of, of man. I value God's presence so much that I made room for him. You see, life is but a vapor. We're here one day, gone the next. And in that little space of time that we have here on earth, the question is, how did we use our time? Did we make space for Jesus? Did we make room for Jesus? Did, or did we get caught up with the things of the world? Did we get caught up in, in doing so many things and, and being so confused and being so off track that we didn't realize how much time we were wasting until we were at the end of our time? That we didn't realize how much time we were wasting until we were in the last days of our life. But no, let us be a church. Let us be a people that doesn't wait until the end of our lives to start making room for Jesus, but starts making room right now, right here in this moment. And says, God, I'm going to make room for you no matter what. It doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter the place. It doesn't matter the person. I don't care who it puts me with or separates me from. I'm going on with Jesus today. I'm going on with Jesus this morning. I'm making sure that I'm going to be in God's will. Come on, if you can read that, stand to your feet as I'm closing. I learned the lesson of making room for Jesus um, really early on in my walk with, with God, really committing myself uh, to him. I was at the time when I was at Bible college, and I had just recently really, truly given my life to God. Like really, truly going from a place where Jesus was the God of my parents to Jesus being the God of my life. And dedicated my life to him and and Jesus just transformed me from the inside out and it was during that time we were having an, ev an event and a service kind of like this and and people were coming to the altars and and God was just moving God was flowing and he was working through me I was just praying for people and I remember all there's lines of people waiting for prayer and and different people on staff were praying and and we we're just watching God move 
we're watching God heal. We're watching people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're, just, we're watching really the, the demonstration that, that Jesus had and the authority and the healings. And I remember just seeing that and being on and just praying for people. And then I remember looking up and in the back of the room, there was this really tall guy. He had to been, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, really intimidating. And he had his arms crossed. I remember thinking to myself, I said, how could he do that? How could he see what's going on right now? How could he be witnessing miracle signs and wonders take place, but yet be in the back with his arms crossed? I remember thinking that. I remember thinking he's missing out. And then God told me, well, go pray for him. And I remember thinking, I said, well, well, God, you know. I said, God, there's, there's 50 people right here waiting to get prayed for, hungry for God's prayer, willing and obedient to come to the front. Why would I go to the back? I remember thinking that would be a waste of my time. I remember thinking that that doesn't he doesn't deserve like he's not hungry for that. If he wants to be in back, let him be in the back, right? The people who are hungry, right? Let them be filled. I remember thinking that, and so I didn't. I, I wasn't obedient, and I just began to just you know focus on the people who were at the front. And I remember looking up and seeing that guy in the back, and somebody else was obedient and went up and prayed for him. And I saw that guy just with his hands lifted, tears coming down his eyes. I could just see this God's love and presence all over him, and his hands were lifted. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. And as I saw him being prayed for, he came to the front, coming right towards me, came to the front, and he had a few knives in his hands, came to the front, and he threw his weapons on the platform. And then he walked away giving up all the things that he was holding on to. I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, forgive me for thinking, for ignoring the call, for thinking that he wasn't deserving a time of speaking. God, forgive me for not being obedient. And that's when, when I heard Jesus say, say he, he's not looking for, for the best of the best or the people who have all the talent or people who have all this. No, he's just looking for someone who's obedient. The Holy Spirit can use anybody. It doesn't matter if you read the Bible one time or a million times. If you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, he will use you. If you're obedient to the calling on your life, he will use you. And I remember from that day forward, I said, God, forgive me. And I made a decision in my life that I'm never, ever going to miss out on the move of God ever again. That I'm never going to disobey and say, God, that's not worth my time. God, prayer's not worth my moment. Or say, God, this, this time of worship isn't worth uh, the, the time in my life. No. From now on, I remember saying, God, if there's ever a move of you, if there's ever a move of God, I want to be right in the middle of it. I'm going to be right a part of that. I never want to disregard something so powerful and so valuable as God's presence and power in the atmosphere. I'm going to close with this scripture in Hebrews 11:6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently put him at the top of their to-do list. He's a rewarder of those who say, I know my life is crazy. I know I got a lot of things I need to do for work. I know I got a lot of things I need to catch up at the house. But he is a rewarder to those who say, God, with all those things going on, I'm going to press pause and I'm going to put you at the first of my priority list. I'm going to say, I need to pray right now. I need to go to church. I need to, I need to read my Bible. I'm going to put you first. And, and God said, those who seek him in that level, they will find 
If you knock, he will answer. If you seek, he will find. And that is our reward. I'm going to close with this thought. Is that when we make room, more room for Jesus, our reward is more of Jesus. When we make more room for Jesus, our reward is more of Jesus. When you say, God, I want to spend more time with you, you know what your reward is? More time with Jesus. Nothing more valuable than that. When you say, God, I need, uh, I want to spend more time reading scripture. I want to spend more time uh, spending time in worship. You know what your reward is? More peace, more wisdom, more ability to see God's purpose and plan for your life. That is your reward for spending more time with Jesus is that you get more of Jesus. And we should all have a hunger and a desire in our heart to say, I need more of Jesus. I can tell you right now, I need more of Jesus this morning. I can tell you right now, I need more of his love this morning. I can tell you right now, I need more of his peace this morning. I can tell you right now, I need more of Jesus. And we should all have that hunger. We should all have that desire. It doesn't matter how old or how young. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long, how much you've read your Bible. It doesn't matter how much you prayed. We should all still have a desire and a hunger for more of Jesus. We should all have that unction on the inside of us saying, I need more time with Jesus. I need more time in his presence. I need more time just praying and worshiping to him because I cannot tell you this. The moment you think you don't need more of Jesus is the moment you start losing the things that Jesus has given you. When you say, God, each and every morning, each and every day, I want more and more of you. That's when you receive more peace. That's when you see more wisdom. That's when you get the healings and the breakthroughs in your life. It's not, it's not by more of you, it's by more of Jesus that you will see God's promises take place in your life. Come with every hand lifted and head bowed. We're about to open up the altar, about to pass the mic, but let's just pray together right now. Father, we thank you that in this moment we are making more room for you. God, we thank you that in this moment, Father, that we are going to begin to open up our minds, God, that we're going to begin to soften our hearts, Father. God, we come against every distraction that may be in the atmosphere. God, we come against anything that might be stopping people from making more room in their hearts for you. But God, right now in this moment, God, we speak by faith that we're going to see, God, miracle signs and wonders take place this morning. That we're going to make a space for you to perform. We're going to make a room for you, God, for you to demonstrate your love, to demonstrate your power, God. That we're going to see families be restored. Yeah, God, that we're going to see marriages be restored, God. That we're going to see your hand of healing be on the lives of the individuals that might be hurting right now, that might be broken right now, that might be feel like they are at the end of their rope right now. But, Father, we thank you that they're making more room for, for you, God, in this place more room in their hearts, more room in their spirits to say, I need more of Jesus. Come on, right now with every hand lifted, let's begin to give God praise, begin to God worship as we begin to sing. Let's begin to give Him more room in your hearts. Come on, let's sing out. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.